There's a large number of people who have difficulty with the scriptures, with the Bible. They say, well, it's tough, I I don't understand it. Or some folks um, have criticisms of it, you know, misunderstandings perhaps. Um, They would see it as a book that is derogatory toward women, that hates gays, that commands the wholesale slaughter of entire people groups, nations, uphold slavery and other criticisms. On the other hand, you heard today in these readings a different picture of Scripture. We have in the, in the first reading from Nahum, uh, the people gathered together. They'd been in exile in Babylon for the last 70 years. And now they're coming back to their land and they're rebuilding, rebuilding the walls and the other structures of their country that have been destroyed. And the priests, Ezra and the other priests, gather the people together. They begin to read to them for an entire day the law of the Lord, reminding them who they are, reminding them of the good news of being the people of God. And the people respond by weeping. They're greatly moved by this reading. And then in our gospel reading, our Lord, he goes to the synagogue and he stands up and he reads this beautiful passage about delivering and freeing the people. He says that he's the fulfillment of this. And the eyes of all those gathered there were fastened upon him. Uh, Out of the wonderment of what he had read and who this man was. A different picture of the scriptures, of the Bible. Today is Sunday of the Word of God. Just a few years ago, Pope Francis, our Holy Father, our, our head pastor, asked us, the entirety of the Catholic Church, to celebrate this Sunday uh, to help people grow in their love of God's Word, to grow in love of the Bible, of the scriptures. This is also the week of Christian unity. And so it's beautiful that we get to celebrate this, uh, the scriptures today, which ideally, if you're understanding them correctly, instead of separating Christians because of misunderstandings, um, different interpretations, this is an opportunity to be drawn back together because of our love for the scriptures, for the word of God. And so today, on this Sunday of the Word of God, I'd like to help you to grow in love of the Scriptures, to grow in your understanding of them, how to interpret them, and, uh, you know, what they mean. I think it helps if you're going to understand the Bible correctly. You need to know a little bit about it, kind of where it came from, how it came together. It's kind of like when you're meeting somebody new, You say, hey, where are you from? Tell me about yourself, about your family. You know, what do you do for a living? You ask all these kind of questions to get an idea of that person. And once you understand a little bit about that person's background, then you can know how to take him, how to to interpret him. It'd be very helpful. So it's also the same with Holy Scripture. And so it helps to understand where we got the Bible, where we get this book from. You know, it was given to us, of course, by the church, by the Catholic Church, as a teaching tool. It was a collection of uh, books that the Church 
considered to be authoritative, the word of God that continued to be sacred for the Christian people. But this didn't happen overnight. It was kind of a slow process. You remember that when our Lord first came to this earth, uh, there wasn't a set grouping of, of scriptures. Even the Jewish people did not have a set grouping of scriptures. Uh, according to scholars, there was up to five different collections, different ones. You know, you have, for example, the uh, Samaritans, who they only accepted the first five books. And also the Sadducees, the folks that ran the temple, only accepted the first five books as authoritative, what we call the Torah. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then there were others, other Jewish people, for example, the Sadducees, who considered, you know, a bigger collection of books, of sacred writings, to be authoritative. Uh, one of the most commonly used collections what was, was what was called the Septuagint. This was a Greek translation of uh, the scriptures of the Jewish people. This is the that which our Lord often quoted from, which the apostles often quoted from when they were teaching. And yet, this hadn't been quite fixed. Because of how the church was situated, it didn't need to be quite fixed at that time into a specific list, into a specific canon. Because when our Lord, if you remember right, uh, when he founded the church, he did not write any scriptures himself. He did not hand out Bibles or anything like that. He understood that just simply taking a book by itself, it's very easy to misunderstand it and to interpret it incorrectly. So instead of giving a specific book or even a collection of books, what he gave to the church was teachers, authoritative teachers. We use the word magisterium, which is an older word. It means teacher. He said when he sent out the apostles, the leaders of the church, he said to them, go, make disciples, teaching them, everything that I've commanded, uh, commanded you. And so at first, the church didn't need a particular authoritative collection. Instead, the different sacred books were, were shared from church to church, passed around. Uh, as the apostles began to write down their memoirs, what we call the Gospels, those were used by the different churches and passed around from church to church. And they were read in the assemblies and the gathering. But then as the church began to grow, and stretch and become uh, bigger, there began to be questions. Uh, some churches thought some books should be read as sacred as the Word of God. Other churches, no, I don't think we should read those. There began to come some controversies into the church, but it took some time. It wasn't, it was, the scriptures didn't come together as an authoritative collection up until, you know, 350 years after Christ. And it was uh, Pope Damasus, Pope St. Damasus, uh, along with his brother bishops, that declared uh, what was to be authoritative for the canon. The church needed this at this time as a teaching tool. And so in the year 382 was when the church first declared what we have in our Bibles to be the authoritative, the official list, of, of holy scriptures. So that is how we got the Bible. It took some time for it to come together. And it was used as a teaching tool. The church promulgated this, tried to get it out so as many people as possible could read it, making sure it was read at the liturgy, uh, because most people couldn't read. So it was read at the liturgy so you could hear as much scripture as possible. 
although the church and the church would translate it into the language of the people as was necessary during uh, bible during jesus time the apostles the lingua franca the most common language was greek and so much of the scriptures were in greek but then as the roman empire grew and expanded in influence uh, the official language of the of the romans was latin and so pope damasus asked a guy by the name of saint jerome to translate the scripture into the language of the people once again because it had changed and so saint jerome translated what's today called the latin vulgate vulgate from vulgar or common meaning the common tongue of the people and the church would continue to do this you know there's all these stories about well the church didn't really want people to read the bible they prohibited it they stopped it uh, and it wasn't until the protestant reformation to luther and his translation that it was um, scripture was was given more to the people and translated in the common tongue but no, the first time this was done was back in the, the 4th century by St. Jerome. And then again, in the 8th century, there was uh, over in Germany, Luther's own country, the monastery at, uh, at Mons first began translating the scriptures. Um, by the time Luther came into being, there was already 36,000 different Bibles in circulation. Same thing with the English language, going back to the 7th century, the Venerable Bede, King Alfred in the, in the, in the um, 9th century, I believe it was, the scriptures are translated into the language of the people so that the greatest number could read them, could access them, and be, and be formed by them. So this is the scriptures. This is how we got them, how they came to us um, as this teaching tool meant to be an extension of the teaching of the church, um, to be formed within the assembly, not this by ourselves, me and my Bible, uh, although it's good to study privately, but their intention was to be this kind of corporate gathering, corporate teaching, the folk, so that people could know the Word of God, these sacred writings. If the Bible that came from the church is to be understood correctly, interpreted correctly, it has to be done along with the church. That's what its intention was. This is what, our, this, is what this history shows us all along. You know, if, if someone's just taking the Bible by themselves, without its history, without good teachers, very easy to become confused. Uh, new denominations have sprung up, caused great division, scandal within the body of Christ because of this. And even incredible, bright, intellectual people have misunderstood the Scriptures. We got guys like um, St. Augustine, black man from North Africa, would go on to become one of the church's most brilliant teachers, doctor of the church. But when he first picked up the scriptures, he read the book of Isaiah, the word he used to describe it was incomprehensible. St. Jerome, who would go on to become uh, one of the best, if not the best, scriptural scholars that the church has known. Uh, when he began trying to read, picking up the prophets, didn't like it much, he described them as uh, rude and repellent, he said. Brilliant man, he would want to be a brilliant man. Um, so the scriptures can be tough, can be challenging at first. It helps 
to do it, to learn the scriptures within the community from good teachers. Kind of like what we hear uh, today in our readings from the book of Nehemiah. When people gather together to hear the word of God read and taught. Or in the gospel, they were gathered there in the synagogue with the community of the people of God. This is how they were meant to be understood and interpreted. So I would encourage you, as you're seeking to grow in your love of the scriptures, in the knowledge of the Bible, to especially be attentive at Mass. This is the first way to really learn from the scriptures. Be attentive at Mass. This is how the scriptures were originally designed to be read. Most of the scriptures... When, when St. Paul and the others are writing from Moses, they were writing uh, with, in, with it in mind that these scriptures would be proclaimed to an assembly, to a group. You know, it's interest, and so they take on this kind of supernatural, I think, sacramental quality when the, Bible, the books of the Bible are proclaimed within the community, within the church, at Mass. You know, for me as a pastor, I do spend a lot of time with, in private study of the scriptures, preparing for homilies like this. And it's interesting, when I hear the scriptures, the Bible read publicly at Mass, it hits me differently. Things pop out that I hadn't heard before. Uh, and so be attentive at Mass. This is the Lord speaking. You know, allow yourself to be moved. I would encourage you even to be in dialogue with the scriptures. Uh, it helps some people, they'll They'll read the scriptures before they come. They'll read the lections, the appointed readings, before they come to Mass. So they can be prepared to hear them well. They can be in dialogue, in your head, you know? So you're thinking back and forth with the priest or the reader. Oh, I wonder why he said that. Oh, that's interesting. What did he mean by that? Oh, I don't know. I think I disagree. So you're doing this little dialogue. It helps to be attentive in this way. You know, people sometimes, they come up to me after, after Mass. They follow that was a that was a good homily. They'll say, but I'm never quite sure what that means exactly. Is the person just being polite? They're trying to, trying to connect with me, which that's good, nice. But when a person comes up to me after Mass and says, Father, not, what did you mean by this, by such and such? Or, I don't know that I agree quite with what you were saying. Or, Father, I was wondering, what did you think about this, about the Scripture? I know that they were hearing these things, that they were digesting, they were dialoguing with it back and forth. Um, really taking, taking in the scripture. This is how it's meant to be heard within community. You know, St. Jerome, the scripture scholar I mentioned, he compared the scriptures to the blessed sacrament. So we, become, we believe that Christ becomes present in the bread and the wine, and it changes into the body and blood of Christ. We're very careful that not even a crumb falls to the ground. So also, Christ is present in his word. And... St. Jerome would say we need to be careful that not even a crumb falls to the ground. Hearing all the little details, the pieces of our Lord as he's proclaiming himself to us in Holy Scripture. So to understand correctly, be attentive at Mass. I'd recommend that. Number two, I'd recommend too also um, studying in groups. Uh, gathering together with some of your friends. And, and having a Bible study. It's a great way to encourage one another to compare notes. Uh, it's, it's beautiful, especially during this week of Christian unity, to gather together with not only fellow Catholics, but our brethren 
who are Protestants and get their takes on things. Or uh, gather together with our forefathers in the faith, with Jewish people, and, and study these things together. Allow the scriptures to draw us together. Um, but studying corporately is this beautiful way. Uh, you can bring in commentaries, teachings of the church, all sorts of things. But it's a great way to come to a fuller understanding of scripture. The second way. And the third way is something that the church calls uh, Lectio Divina. Lectio meaning reading. That's where we get our word lectionary from. And, and Divina or divine, divine reading. This means, re and this goes back to the third century, where you take some scripture, you read it very slowly, maybe to yourself, maybe out loud, until something strikes you, a word or a sentence. Then you stop reading, put the scripture down, and you just think about that line. You ponder it, what the Lord is saying to you through it. Think about it throughout the day. Chew on it. Allow it to change you. There are some people that do this, Lectio Divina. They'll take a book of the Bible, one book of the Bible, and they'll just slowly, very slowly go through it in this way uh, for like three, four, five, six years. One book. Allowing the Lord to feed you and speak to you in this way, through this holy reading, this slow, careful, holy reading. It's a beautiful way. It's affirmed by the Second Vatican Council. Pope Benedict talked about it. Pope Francis encourages it. Lectio Divina. You can look it up and read more about it, but I would encourage that. Uh, so this is great ways to understand the Bible, to understand and to grow in your love of the Scriptures. You know, if you, if you understand where it came from, that it came from the church, that it's the church that can help you to grow in understanding of it. Grow in understanding by coming to Mass, hearing it read and explained at Mass, by studying it in groups, but also, of course, studying it privately in conjunction with the church, in conjunction with all the corporate stuff that you do. This is the good news of the scriptures. How our Lord speaks to us in this. Um, so I'd encourage you to dig more deeply, to grow in your love of the word of God, especially uh, today, but also throughout the year. Although today, as we celebrate the Sunday of the word of God that he may be glorified. Amen.